Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, also the co-host on this show uh, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, particularly during the off-season. Uh, we're having a fair amount of fun with Justin so far. Uh, interesting show today. There's some NBA rules that I want to run past you because I think it's fascinating to see that the NBA can't sit on their hands and this is generally what every sports league around the world is doing they just can't sit still there has to be rule changes there has to be different variations to the season the different formats of the season i think part of it is with the nba trying to make more relevance for the regular season but we'll get to that in a little bit some roster stuff right off the top and then some general uh, i would say general silliness at the end you sent me a text earlier that was green bay packers related you might be a little down in the dumps so we'll get to that before we jump into it We'll talk about Tuesdays in the Locked On NBA podcast. It's East meets West. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, and David Rammel, uh, our friend David Rammel, from a Locked On Heat tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Justin, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Um, today, as we record this Monday, was the uh, Bucks Foundation golf outing, so... All of these little milestones on the way to the season where you you start to uh, realize it's almost here. And I think it's uh, by the time this episode drops, I think it'll be two weeks to the day from training camp starting. Were you playing golf today? Were you out there on the course? I was not. Um, hmm. I am. Uh, I used to golf quite a bit as a, uh, as a youngster. And my dad was the superintendent of a local golf course. But uh, the older I got, I, it was the opposite, where the older I got, the less I played. And now it's reached the point where I am nowhere near as good as I used to be that I can't justify spending as much money as it costs to golf to maintain that as a hobby. So I now go maybe like twice a year. I golfed once in Milwaukee with Eric uh, Benning and Eric Name as well, and it was a, a completely disgraceful performance uh, by myself. And that was actually the last time I played golf. I've, I spent a lot of money on golf over my time as well, but that would have been a fun day today. I think probably the best image that we saw from this was Jim, our friend Jim Paschke, yeah. finally uh, got to lift up the, the Larry O'Brien trophy. And we know, obviously, with COVID, he wasn't around um, for when the Bucks clinched the title, which was a, a massive shame, even if they weren't able to do the TV broadcast. The fact he wasn't actually there for that game uh, felt wrong. He wasn't at the parade, uh, but it was cool. He, he had a big smile on his face, and understandably so. Yeah, the, uh, I think it's what you're referring to. The photo of he and Zora holding the yeah. Larry O'Brien together as well. Um, yeah, just, you know, and Jim, we know, has... He's still been a part of the franchise that even during that period, during the finals that you alluded to, uh, he was still very connected. I mean, we think back to Giannis FaceTiming Jim after they won the championship and um, you know, it, it was disappointing that he wasn't physically there, but he was very much 
there and a part of the team throughout. So to see him now finally around that group again and to get his chance to be with Larry O'Brien, certainly for people that have been longtime Bucks fans, that's exactly what you wanted to see. All right, Ross, the news that dropped, uh, this was yesterday, and uh, I will say this, I will remind everyone, if you missed the show on Monday, go back and check it out. I had Sean Coleman from Locked on Grizzlies come on the show. It was the first time we were able to do a little crossover episode uh, with our friends covering the Memphis Grizzlies, and it was a lot of fun because he actually gave, uh, Sean gave some great insight into Grayson Allen, what we can potentially expect from him. I think we've all got a rough idea of the type of player Grayson Allen is, but Sean went into great detail there. Uh, really glowing reviews, and I've said this before, but most of the people that I've spoken to about Grayson Allen have been very positive in their reviews of that trade that the Bucks made and potentially what he can bring to this team. But outside of Grayson Allen and that podcast yesterday, we didn't mention that Sham Sharania from The Athletic did tweet out or report that Justin Robinson is taking the second two-way spot we know uh, Mamu has the first two-way spot, and that's that's the way it, it currently stands. So Justin Robertson, uh, not a guy that I knew a lot about, but I did remember seeing him play a little bit in summer league for the Lakers this season. He had some decent performances there, but yeah, you know these two-way signings are always interesting. Justin, we know that they can change. We know there's a not not a lot hinging on what the Bucks do with their two-way guys. We've seen over the course of the last couple of seasons that many teams will shuffle through a bunch of guys um, with these two-way contracts. The Wisconsin Herd probably just hoping to get a season underway this this year in the G League. So Justin Robinson will be interesting. Any, any hot takes with Justin Robinson <laughs> and the two-way? I know we had previously discussed that potentially they might go and put one of the the players that were on the championship roster in that two-way position, whether, you know, I, I believe Elijah Bryant was still eligible. I think we, we spoke about that. Even even Mamadi Diakite, if he didn't make the final 15-man roster, it was potential that, that he they would want to keep him around at least. So it's, it's at least interesting that it's a, a random guy that I guess we, we didn't really expect um, to see in this position. Yeah, um no hot takes. I know he's he's bounced around um, with what Oklahoma City this year after the the summer league with the Lakers. Um, not great size, but again, it's what we talked about on that other show that you you mentioned as well. Is just the fact that there we assume is going to be a G League season for the herd. So um, just the chance to see him and everybody else that I think we can, we can spend so much time talking about the two-way contracts. And while that, that does have elevated value, just the sheer fact of having a G league affiliate that's functional once again, I mean, that offsets a lot of this, that now you're getting reps for those guys that, you know, you think back to guys like Jordan and Sam and, and Mamadi who got the, the mini experience of that mini bubble that they had, for the G League last year, um, but had we had a traditional G League season and had the herd participated, think back to how differently things may have been in their progression as well. That you would at least get some consistent reps with a team that is a championship contender, and you know minutes are going to be tough to come by. I think that's something that really hurt Sam, especially and uh, Jordan as well, is just not being active and not getting that full time of of you know playing time and uh, it's I remember all of the coaches that have been through here it's one of the things as soon as 
the Bucks got their G League affiliate that everybody kind of had the same message, but it was really elevated under Bud of you know, practice and, and the scrimmages that we do. It does not compare to game experience. So in that regard, those guys were not really able to fo- fully prosper and develop as much not having that, save for what, two and a half or three weeks when they were in Orlando for the G League bubble. So currently 19 players on the roster. That's if you include the two two ways as well. Tremont Waters, we spoke about last week with a, an Exhibit 10 or you know basically a training camp deal with the Bucks there. So as we kind of discussed, I would expect Tremont Waters is not going to make it to the season. So that gets you back down to 16. And then uh, potentially Elijah Bryant might find himself uh, with some spare time. If uh, I would guess, and this is just my prediction, that he probably won't make uh, the roster as we head into the season. And uh, I don't know what he can do. Um, keep keep tweeting or, you know, eating McDonald's or something something like that. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what happened. I saw some stuff on the weekend. Elijah Bryant, um, yeah, I, I don't think he, he covered himself in glory with, with some of the social media activity for him. But we'll see whether he makes it. Is, is Elijah Bryant, I guess... Your prediction at this point, he seems like the odd man out. Yeah, I think we all kind of um, felt like it was leaning towards that. And you know, what, what, what you just referenced there kind of feels like, yeah, this, is, uh, this may be potentially the final nail here. That it, it, it felt like it was already leaning towards, look, we have to find some room somewhere. And Elijah Bryant was more than likely the obvious choice, especially – once Thanasis returned to the team. So it just feels like that's where we're headed in, in what it'll be um, mid-October after you're able to get through the preseason and then wrap up the season where we see what this roster stands at. So the other play that's you know, worth noting, uh, Yorgos Kalazakis, who we saw in Summer League a little bit there, I thought initially from some of the conversations we heard from John Horst when he was – is discussing the situation said kind of hinted to the fact that yeah maybe he'll come this year maybe he'll come next year so I guess that's another guy that we could look at and say well there's no real confirmation or guarantee that he's going to be with the team uh, throughout the season as well and that is at least interesting because I know Frank in the past has been pretty pretty clear on the fact that he thought or he assumed that they were going to go into the season with 14 men on the roster, get leave themselves some options moving forward as some of the guarantee dates for Diakite and, and Elijah Bryant. Um, if they, they go past those guarantee dates with the, with the salary there. So uh, we'll see, we'll see who the Bucks end up carrying into the season and who's on the active roster as the season tips off. Uh, some of the other news we got around the league were regarding rules and potential implementations the league want to bring into the regular season. So I want to get to that in a second. But we're going to talk about Sweatblock, Sweatblock Wipes. Now, uh, we've just been informed that Sweatblock is currently number one on Amazon in the antiperspirant category. So, uh, look, uh, that doesn't get much better than that as, as far as it comes to the rankings there on Amazon. And Sweatblock Wipes, we know they're doctor-created, doctor-recommended. They work for up to seven days per use. There is a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters. So, look, we know there are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason, it is embarrassing. So with Sweatblock Wipes, you can keep yourself covered whether you're on a date, whether you're on a job interview, whatever it may be, whether you're doing a podcast right now and you feel very stressed out about the whole situation, Sweatblock Wipes can help. You can get them today for 20% off 
at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Now, um, we have to talk about direct TV stream as well uh, because this is this is a familiar situation for everyone, particularly in 2021. Everyone's at home, spending a lot of time at home. They're streaming all their shows. But you uh, you want to watch the game live. Then you have uh, another program where you can stream your favorite shows and then you have sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff as well. And I've mentioned this before, but with your best friends log in, we saw Giannis a couple of years ago was asking people for passwords and all sorts of things. But I'll tell you a simple way that you can get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in the one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Justin. So, Shams again. I mean, he's just bringing the news for us today. Uh, we really appreciate it in the middle of the offseason. But a couple of league-related tweets. And let's start with an in-season tournament. Uh, Sham says the NBA is discussing having an in-season tournament in future seasons with $1 million per player prize uh, prize money there. So each player would get $1 million if their team wins the in-season tournament. The concept was discussed in the competition committee call today. So this came up last year or during the break or whenever it was, but it came up in previously that the league was looking at potentially bringing an in-season tournament. It's interesting to note that Some other leagues have begun to do this. They did this in Australia last year, where in the middle of the NBL season, uh, they had the NBL Cup. And there was, you know, let's let's just say it wasn't quite $1 million per player, but there was uh, added prize money for the franchises for first, second, and third in this in-season tournament. Uh, Basically, all the teams were in in one spot, kind of a summer league type scenario. And they played uh, through this tournament and, and, you know, ultimately... Uh, they went through. Now, that was a little bit different because the games and the results from the NBL Cup, while it was a separate tournament ladder standings that they had, uh, those games still counted to the overall uh, season. So it was meaningful for teams to continue to play well and meaningful for players to continue to play Uh, which I do think you would lose a little bit of that if you had an in-season tournament that was completely separate to the regular season. Yeah, I. so I guess first, are you pro or against an in-season tournament? Well, I'm I'm against it, but I I will say that if you're a fan, and that's the way we're going to look at this from a fan's perspective, would we be interested in looking at it? It changes depending on the team that you either follow or cover, whatever the case may be. Because if you're yeah. Milwaukee, I don't see much of an incentive to try and win right. in the in-season tournament. But if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, you can get hot for a week. Why not? That You'd probably love an opportunity to win something. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we have to wait to see what the full details are of this. But it feels like it's been inevitable for years that once this first started to surface, and I think it was Zach Lowe a couple of years ago that had the first story that this was being kicked around. Um, It's just felt like we were headed towards this. So I don't know 
what you could do to incentivize those teams in the top tier, what, four or five, six spots even in their conference to really have a vested interest in the in-season tournament. I mean, I know it's been mentioned of, well, what if you did something where if you win the tournament, there's something attached to your seating. That to me seems like it's getting pretty muddy and I don't know how you could say, well, if you win the tournament, you're guaranteed a top four seed. So you have home court advantage in the first round. Like that just, I, I don't know how that works out, but for the lower tier teams, it's great. And I think really that's the biggest thing is the problem that the league has, and this has, it feels like really accelerated the last couple of years, but this has been there for a while now, is, you know, we hit those lulls in the season. And think back to, I know it wasn't the same calendar, but but think back to this past year, once we got to March and April, and you knew, all right, the Bucks are probably going to be three. Maybe they'll catch the Nets and be two, but we know this is where they're going to be just stay healthy, get the season over with, and let's start the playoffs already, that that's where most of the league falls into. So you got to find something to keep those other teams invested and more importantly, their fan base. Now, I think what they did with the playoffs and the play-in tournament, that certainly helped the last three, four weeks of the season where there's definitely more interest for those, those teams that are on the cusp of the playoffs. And this is, all right, now in the traditional mid-sense what, mid-February, March-ish, that's where you really start to dip and other things are starting up. You have the NCAA tournament and conference tournaments. Major League Baseball spring training is wrapping up and the season is just around the corner. So it's just another way to keep your fan base engaged and entertained and especially teams, not to pick on teams, but like the Cavs and maybe the Chicago Bulls and teams like that, that you know they're not going to win a championship, but this is just something to keep that fan base interested in the product. I'm curious to see how it turns out. Skeptical to see how teams in the top half of the league really participate in this and how seriously they take it, but it's something. And I think what we've seen from the last couple of years is there was a definite problem where the offseason is huge in this league. The playoffs are great, but outside of the very beginning of the season, the all-star game and the trade deadline, you have all these pockets where the interest just dips. So if this is something that can spark some more interest and get some more engagement, I'm all for it, but I'm curious to see what is it you're going to do that will get those upper echelon teams really invested in this? Because right now I just don't see a path where teams like the Bucks and the Nets and the Lakers, what does this in-season tournament mean to them and why are they really invested in it? Yeah, the reason why it made a little bit of sense for the NBL here in Australia to continue to count the wins to the overall standings is because of everything that you've just described there. So specifically with the Giannis example, if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan and there is this in-season tournament where you've just won the real NBA championship and they're going to hand you some sort of trophy, whatever it is, you're not going to want as a fan to see Giannis play in these games because if anything goes wrong, if there's any injuries and then he's not able to play for the real the real prize in the real postseason, then everything that you're watching, it's it's not worth it anymore. So I just think that from a fan perspective, if you're if you're following a good team, you're just not going to want to want to see those star players be out there and put at that risk unless there is some incentive for, as you pointed to, whether it's seeding, whether the wins actually do count 
uh, for the the end of season, that might have to be the case. Because if not, you're going to struggle. Because ultimately, and this is you know ridiculous to even say, because one million dollars is clearly a hell of a lot of money. But what the hell is one million dollars to Giannis? Well, and, and that's what I was going to say too is. I don't want to insult the listeners here because I would take a million dollars, but to teams like that where you have guys on max and super max and think about, you know, I know half of the roster or the bottom half is veterans minimums, but when it's largely made of mid-level exception and and, um, max contracts, a million dollars really means nothing. That's a drop in the bucket to a 36 or $40 million contract. When you look at the other teams where it's guys on rookie scale and younger guys, that's where it means something. If you have guys that are on the, what, biannual $4 million exception contract and, and contracts of that value, if you're telling me, hey, if you play hot for 10 days or two weeks, however long it's going to be, you'll make a fourth or a third of your salary for the year. Great. Sign me up for that. But for the other teams that know we're playing for a championship, I make $40 million. So what is $1 million to me when this could just be basically a second all-star break and more rest and making sure that I'm healthy for the playoffs? That's how those players are going to treat it. Yeah, and the big problem with this, I mean, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, okay, well, if the top teams, none of them – play their best players and let's say for instance the top team say well we're not even playing our starting five in this tournament it makes no sense for us to do that then the whole idea around trying to to bring interest to the regular season and bring interest to an in-season tournament goes out the window if the best players aren't playing you're watching a, a slightly slightly souped up summer league so i don't know i think it's complicated i personally just don't think it's all that necessary but I, again and we always say this, I don't think that I'm the target audience that the NBA is bringing an in-season tournament to to bring interest to the regular season. I mean, I watch every game anyway. Right. I'm going to watch every single game anyway. It doesn't really bother me. But to me, um, I just think that this idea is going to be really, really uh, difficult to, to pay off. And... Uh, look, uh, you know, I spoke about $1 million and, and what that, that, you know, just a, a drop in the bucket for, for someone like Giannis. Certainly it would mean a lot more for a guy like, uh, yeah, again, Mamadi Diakite, these types of players, $1 million would be nice. Uh, another way that, that players like that can save money, though, is with rockauto.com. Because uh, we know this, uh, you know, it's the family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. I don't know whether Mamadi Diakite is much of a mechanic, whether he knows how to fix cars. Uh, but if he does, it's gonna be, uh, this is going to be good news for him. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Uh, for example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 bucks from a chain store. It's only $216 from rockauto.com. So uh, they've got everything you need, brake, pan, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. If you've got any type of auto needs, auto parts needs, just go to rockauto.com right now and see everything that is available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we'll keep rolling here with the next piece of news that came out today, and this was regarding the review, the coach's review, the much-discussed coach's review. We brought it up 
uh, a lot last season or over the course of the last two seasons as the coaches review has come in. I don't think we've always been complimentary with the way that the coaches reviews have been used. But one thing that I've always said as a, someone that, that works in basketball and a basketball fan, a quick game's a good game. We don't need any more of these games where the fourth quarter is going for 50 minutes because there's a billion reviews down the stretch. Uh, so, Shams, again, has reported this. He says, the NBA Board of Governors will vote this month to approve the coach's challenge being the lone method to review out-of-bounds calls with under two minutes left in games, meaning out-of-bounds plays will no longer be automatically triggered for officials. And then he adds, this will eliminate the prolonged stoppages that occur at times late in NBA games. So I could see why people would... Uh, look at this and and feel either way about it, either like this or not like it. I think in general, I'm okay with the fact that less stoppages down the stretch means that we might get a little bit more flow with the last few minutes of games. I think the general idea there, it seems more attractive to the viewer. I, um, I guess my feeling on this is kind of tied Mm-hmm. to the coach's challenge of uh, I think there's certainly still a lot of warts with that and some uh, some kinks to be worked out with it but it, it felt like and, and maybe it was just magnified because it was the playoffs but it felt like we saw quite a few of those plays that were initially called wrong and you use the challenge to overturn it it's a big big pivotal moments in the playoffs during this most recent run so if you're telling me those are gone and you need to be even more judicious with your one coach's challenge, that could swing a lot of things. And, and I mean, especially the Bucks. You look at how Coach Budenholzer utilized those challenges. Early on, it was almost always uh, tied to Giannis. And did he pick up an offensive foul? So does that change how you operate where maybe there's a close one and it would have put Giannis at three or four fouls in the third quarter or, or earlier, but you say – it's not, you know, four or five where it's at the threshold yet. And who knows, maybe there's going to be a moment where we need it in those final two minutes for an out-of-bounds play. So I can't challenge it. So I'm not in the camp of coaches' challenge needs to be completely overhauled and you should get more challenges and utilize it the same way you do in the NFL. But, I mean, I would be in favor of the one similar thing of if you use it and you're right, you don't lose the challenge yet. You get to use it one more time. So if that's what we're headed towards, and it kind of feels like that may be it, then I'm fine with saying, okay, you have to use one of your challenges to overturn that call specifically. But you know, in Sham's tweet, it's going to eliminate some of those late game stoppages. It's not going to be everything. But it, to me, it, it just, I guess that's the missing piece. So once we know everything that's going to come about with the rule changes and specifically coaches challenges, then I'll have a stronger feeling one way or another. Right now, I guess I'm kind of skeptical. I can see the reasoning why, but I mean, it's, it's not going to eliminate all of those stoppages that it's kind of like we talked about with the dead spots in the schedule. That's been the other thing with the league for the last 20 plus years is, well, the game really picks up in the fourth quarter. And then even then, you know, the final minutes in game time can take 20 minutes to finish sometimes. So um, I guess we'll see how it plays out. My one worry is 
it was tied to some pretty big plays. So now if the coach needs to hang on to his challenge, that could really change how things are officiated or how coaches approach that. But there's still going to be plenty of late game stoppages just because this is shifting a coach's challenge only. Yeah. So if they only get one challenge each, then I guess, and I would assume that officials, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how to read this. If this is saying that if there's no coach's challenge, available as as in the coaches have both used their challenge and there is a really questionable out of bounds play uh, the officials aren't always quick to to make a call they they want to go to the review as well so i guess we'll wait and see how that plays out i, I don't think it means that the officials are just going to be guessing i think i think it probably just means that when you have the players protesting and getting in their face of the officials maybe we will see a little less of that or they'll just tell them to, to get the hell out of their face because they're, they're not reviewing it because they said so i'm not sure but one review that i always have had a little bit of an issue with when it comes to video review and out of bounds plays are the the plays where a player might uh, swat the ball out of a, a player's hands or yeah. There's a block shot or whatever. And I mean, yes, to the letter of the law with the review, it is last touched by one player, but the the whole idea of momentum and touching the player's hand, it's not really off them. So I, I would be happy if those reviews are gone. Um, we never used to make that call. Now we do because we slow it down to, to super, super slow-mo. Uh, and as far as Bud goes and the way the reviews will be used, I think we've always questioned the way Bud has used his reviews, particularly when it comes to Giannis and particularly early in games. And he's always said in press conferences when we've had the chance to ask him that, yeah, I just kind of wanted to keep the review for later in the game for late game situations. He's always been a coach that likes to use them if, if at all in the last quarter in the last five minutes. So maybe it wouldn't really change the way that he used it, but I do think we'll see more of this throughout the league. But I, I do wonder yeah, you might get a out-of-bounds call that you want to review late in the fourth quarter, but I've still always believed, and I still believe even with this rule change that is probably going to go ahead, that if you're playing the Bucks or you are the Bucks, the best player to use the review on is Giannis. If you're trying to put a foul on him, if you're the other team, or the other way around, if you're the Bucks trying to save Giannis a foul call, and that hasn't always been the way that it's been used, which has probably been my biggest frustration with it. Yeah, I think uh, there's, what, two games I can remember or two times I can remember where Bud used the challenge relatively early. And I think it was foul number three on Giannis in the mm-hmm. second quarter in both of those instances. And I mean, it, it kind of feels like I agree that I would still save the challenge for Giannis specifically, but I do wonder how much that changes those situations that it, it's easier to justify using it in the third quarter, if it's the fourth foul or fifth foul on him, um, then it is those, those rare, but those instances where we saw it utilized in the first half. And you wonder if that means those are just gone, that we're saving it for Giannis only. And it's gotta be stuff in the second half. And if nothing pops up, then great. We have it for those late game situations. So 
I, I'm going to be fascinated to see what other rule changes come through. As I said right off the top here, um, they can't help themselves. They're tinkering. They've they got to tinker with things. This is what all professional sports leagues are doing uh, right across the world. But it'll be interesting to see what other rules come in. Of course, we have the fouling rules and the shooting rules, which I think you know NBA fans and perhaps NBA players that were playing in the Olympics probably got a little bit of a taste of that. I remember one play in particular where Zach Levine was really frustrated at the official because he he tried to lean into a player and draw that foul that we've seen so often in the NBA and of course you're not going to get that whistle in FIBA play so I'm I'm fascinated and I have one question about that rule before we wrap up this show but before I get to it we'll talk about the Locked On Bets podcast whether you're betting on the Bucks, Brewers or Packers it doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Is Chris Middleton going to be affected by the rule change? And uh, I say that kind of jokingly. I think in general, the Bucs don't have too many players that play for fouls or flop. But, you know, this is a guy that for years we said... Give him some respect. The officials get him to the free throw line like these other star players do. And it feels like this year, he really started to get a lot more of those foul calls. He was smart with the way he used his body. And now they're changing the rules. Poor old Chris Milton might just start getting stiffed by the, by the officials again. Sad to see. Um, I guess. I mean, <laughs> the one that he uh, seems to get more than anybody in the league is the uh, 3.1 mm-hmm. and uh, I mean that's not the lean into a guy like yeah. a la James Harden and everybody else and I can't remember if we're the the play you referenced uh, it, it happened more than once in the Olympics but I remember watching it may have been the first game against France but seeing I don't remember if it was Zach Levine but somebody on the team doing one of those grifting fouls and leaning in for the shot and to, to try and get the call and looking at the official, like, where's the call? And the international official just gives him the look of, you kidding me? We, we, yeah. we don't call those. Um, and maybe it becomes bizarre world where all of a sudden Chris Middleton says, Hey man, now everybody's playing the same way I am. This is great. And we see a scoring go up and Chris Middleton is elevated to an even higher status than, uh, than he should or should already be at. Um, so who knows? But yeah, he's the only guy that even scratches the surface of that on this team because I mean it's it's still laughable the whistle that he gets, the whistle that Giannis gets, and everybody else in the team. But that's that's basically all there is to think of on this team. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point you make about the three point shot. He he definitely has gone through stretches where it feels like he's having a four point play or three foul shots every single game. He's, he's become pretty smart with the way he uses his body and he just gets the respect from the defenders. Uh, they don't want to leave him wide open as well, but uh, certainly not much of a complainer, I would say. I mean, you don't see the Bucks talking to the officials all that much. So uh, it'll be interesting to see players like James Harden and Trey Young are the first two to come to mind where, uh, as you pointed to, their scoring might go down by a few points. It's, it's but- generally a, a possibility. Yeah, Trey Young is going to be really interesting because, I mean, look at how frequently he got to the free throw line last year. It was basically he and Joel Embiid that by a wide margin, they were the top two at getting to the line. And I mean, that was one of the biggest questions I had going into the playoffs too, that I think we all said, yeah, great. This worked in the regular season, but it doesn't always go this way in the playoffs. And it did for him. So not to say that, you know, Trey Young was just 
getting those stats because he was getting to the free throw line. But I do wonder how much that changes some aspects of his game if it is going to be officiated differently going forward. But, uh, I mean, look, overall, what they're doing with, I think, some of those calls and officiating, that's part of slowing down the game. And the, the other rule changes as well are let's, let's speed this up. Yeah, it'd be nice to get it a little quicker and especially some of those stoppages late in the game. But let's also not lose track of this. We started recording this after the Monday night game. That was, what, a three-hour and 40-minute game, which <laughs> seems to be the norm in the NFL. Major League Baseball games, well over three hours frequently. That it is nice that with basketball games, a long game in the NBA is like two hours and 40 minutes. That it's basically basketball and soccer that you know. I know basically, like clockwork, how long I can plan on this game being, whereas it doesn't really feel that way with the other two sports we referenced. Yeah, we ended up pushing back starting this podcast by an hour. I think I messaged you with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and said, hey, let's just watch the end of this game. And then, of course, uh, chaos ensued from there. But look, it's, it's good to have this podcast, Justin. We can, we can forget about football. You don't have to stay down in the dumps about the Packers. And we can move on with our week and uh, hope for better, better results for a lot of our listeners that care about the Packers and you as well next weekend. Um, it was, uh, it was interesting. I will be at the Packers game Monday night. Oh, um, so yeah, I, it's a, it's been kind of a separation where I still, that's my favorite team, but I mean, my heart clearly belongs to, uh, the, the team that I work for. So that is, uh, taken most of my love that it's just, you still check in on the Packers and make sure they're doing well. But, uh, it was a disappointing day on Sunday. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. And on a sad note, we'll leave it there. But uh, we will be back tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. And it always gets a little new snippets like this that give us stuff to talk about. Uh, like I always say to the listeners, if you have ideas for the podcast, you don't specifically have to have a mailbag episode. But if you've got a question you want to throw at us or just an idea or some topic that you want us to talk about or even a guest you want to hear on the show, uh, we can most likely organize that as well. So you can hit me up at Kane Pittman on Twitter and we can uh, continue to bring you the show that you guys want to hear. But for now... For Justin, at this very late hour, and myself, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.